0: In Jesus' name, amen. Text this morning out of uh, John chapter 10. The Good Shepherd. Let me reading verses 1 through 18. Truly, truly, I say to you, he who does not enter the sheepfold by the door, but climbs in by another way, that man is a thief and a robber, I have authority to lay it down, and I have authority to take it up again. This charge I have received from my Father. As we begin, let's just have a, a quick question by uh, show of raising hands to be totally honest. Who is 100% confident that you know how to spell the word shepherd? Okay. Who's pretty iffy? I feel like I definitely learned how to spell that word. It's S H E P H E R D. There's no A. Um, And there's also the name shepherd. Um, In July of 2005, two shepherds in Turkey took a break from their shepherding duties to enjoy some breakfast. There were hundreds of sheep in this flock, owned by more than two dozen local families. As the sheep grazed, one of them wandered over a small cliff with a 30-foot drop. Another followed, and another, and another, and another. 400 sheep lost their lives at the foot of that small cliff that day. Another 1,100 went over the cliff, but had their fall broken by the wool cushion that had been formed by the sheep who preceded them. The moral of the story is this. Don't be a sheep without a shepherd, or you will fall off a cliff and die. (laughs) In our passage this morning, Jesus says that he is the good shepherd. There's something naturally comforting about this imagery. A shepherd tends to his sheep. It's imagery we can understand. In the Gospel of John, Jesus gives seven statements that are referred to as being I am statements. The significance of that is rooted in the Old Testament. When God calls Moses to lead the people of Israel, Moses originally responds with some trepidation. In Exodus chapter 3, beginning in verse 13, then Moses said to God, if I come to the people of Israel and say to them, the God of your fathers has sent me to you, and they ask me, what is his name? What shall I say to them? God said to Moses, I am who I am. And he said, say this to the people of Israel, I am has sent me to you. The significance of that is that it's God making a statement about his eternity, his self-existence, his sustaining power. And in the following verses of that section in Exodus, God reminds Moses of his faithfulness. And so here in the Gospel of John, Jesus makes these seven I am statements. Each of them is a metaphor that explains his relationship to humanity. And two of those seven statements are in our passage this morning. Jesus says, I am the good shepherd in verse 11. But he also says, I am the door in verse 7. But our primary focus this morning will be on the good shepherd metaphor. The Bible, I mentioned this during communion, has several illustrations about sheep, shepherds, has illustrations, talks about the innocence of sheep, the meekness of sheep, the fact that sheep are easily led. Sheep are actually the most commonly referenced animal in the Bible. Sheep are mentioned over 200 times. And if you include lambs, baby sheep, and rams, boy sheep, that's another 365 mentions. To put that in perspective, cats are mentioned zero times in the Bible. In preparing for this week's message, I actually thought a lot about sheep. Especially trying to capture Jesus' essence of the metaphor that he's using. I read about sheep this week. I watched YouTube videos of sheep. I even tried to think like a sheep. (laughs) Because I think a little bit of background is important. We see shepherds throughout the Bible. Abraham was a shepherd, so was Moses. David was a shepherd before he became king of Israel. God is also referred to as a shepherd, most notably in one of the most familiar and beloved passages of the Old Testament, the 23rd Psalm. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. But another significant backdrop for our passage this morning comes from Ezekiel chapter 34. And that chapter, it refers to the leaders of Israel as shepherds, the people or the sheep. But the shepherds, that is, the leaders have been corrupt, and they've taken advantage of the sheep. Ezekiel 34, beginning in verse 2. Son of man, prophesy against the shepherds of Israel. Prophesy and say to them, even to the shepherds, thus says the Lord God, ah, shepherds of Israel who have been feeding yourselves, should not shepherds feed the sheep? You eat the fat, you clothe yourselves with the wool, you slaughter the fat ones, but you do not feed the sheep. So, The shepherds have plundered and taken advantage of the flock. The text continues to discuss the failures of the leaders, and God begins to make promises of what he's going to do. Verse 10 Thus says the Lord God Behold, I am against the shepherds, and I will require my sheep at their hand and put a stop to their feeding the sheep. No longer shall the shepherds feed themselves. I will rescue my sheep from their mouths that they may not be food for them. God talks of what he will be what his intentions are with the sheep. I will feed them with good pasture, and on the mountain heights of Israel shall be their grazing land. There they shall lie down in good grazing land, and on rich pasture they shall feed on the mountains of Israel. I myself will be the shepherd of my sheep, and I myself will make them lie down, declares the Lord God. I will seek the lost and I will bring back the strayed and I will bind up the injured and I will strengthen the weak and the fat and the strong I will destroy. I will feed them in justice. And while the Lord will intervene, he gives a promise that the flock will also be rescued by a servant. Final passage from Ezekiel Uh, 34, beginning in verse 22. I will rescue my flock. They shall no longer be a prey. And I will judge between sheep and sheep. And I will set up over them one shepherd, my servant David. By the way, at this point in the Bible, David is already long deceased. I will set up over them a shepherd, my servant David, and he shall feed them. He shall feed them and be their shepherd. And I, the Lord, will be their God. And my servant David shall be prince among them. I am the Lord, I have spoken. So where he talks about David, again, Ezekiel written after the time of David, it's referring to somebody coming in the line of David. And that is what Jesus came and fulfilled. And that is the background for Jesus saying, I am the good shepherd. He is the promised shepherd. He is the promised leader, the promised Messiah. And so this morning what we're going to do with our time is we're going to look at Jesus in two ways, if you're taking notes. He is the shepherd who sustains us, and Jesus is the shepherd who saves us. And the main idea of this passage, we're tempted to wander, but we must stay close to the good shepherd. We're tempted to wander, but we must stay close to the good shepherd. First point. Jesus is the shepherd who sustains us. In Jesus' day, most of his audience would have lived in small villages, and it would have been common for a family to own a few sheep. And oftentimes, several families would have one person who would be a shepherd for their sheep. Most families couldn't necessarily justify their own Shepherd, or a member of their family just being a full-time shepherd. Families would oftentimes have some sort of pen or enclosure where they would keep the sheep. Each day, the shepherd would go either to the home where sheep belonged, or a few families might share a pen where all the sheep would stay at night. But in the morning, the shepherd would come and take the sheep to a place to graze. Sheep need shepherds. Domesticated sheep can't survive without shepherds. Sheep follow their own shepherd. As it says in our passage, the the sheep learn the shepherd's voice. Shepherds have a unique call that, that their own sheep will begin to recognize versus 2 and 3, Jesus says, But he who enters by the door is the shepherd of the sheep. To him the gatekeeper opens. The sheep hear his voice, and he calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. Jesus continues the metaphor. When he has brought out all his own, he goes before them, and the sheep follow him, for they know his voice. A stranger they will not follow, but they will flee from him, for they do not know the voice of strangers. The sheep won't respond to another shepherd. I was actually watching a YouTube video during my extensive sheep research this week. And in the video, it's different people at a farm trying to call these sheep to them, and they can't do it. They're they're doing the same call, and sheep aren't even looking up. Finally, the shepherd goes and he makes the same call that the the kids have been making and they start to look to him and start flocking towards him. The shepherd, the sheep know the shepherd's voice. A follower of Jesus is called to respond to the good shepherd's voice. It can be tempting to want to listen to another shepherd, to want to follow another leader aside from Christ. Perhaps it's it's wanting to go another way that we think will lead us to life or protection or sustenance. But we're called to follow the good shepherd. Jesus calls his sheep out by name. The good shepherd knows his sheep personally. Now, there might not be any of us who actually know everyone's name in this room. Jesus knows his sheep by name. Shepherds protect their sheep from predators. Coyotes, wolves, foxes, dogs, bears, mountain lions, bobcats, even there's recording incidents of large birds preying upon sheep. In our passage, Jesus uses protecting language for the flock. That's really actually how the passage begins. Truly, truly, I say to you, he who does not enter the sheepfold by the door, but climbs in by another way, that man is a thief and a robber. When people would keep their sheep in a communal pen, there would most likely be just one gate for entering the pen. At night, either the shepherd would stay near the pen, or they would perhaps hire someone to work the night shift and keep watch of the sheep. So if a person meant harm to the flock or tried to take sheep, they'd have to find another way in. In this passage, it seems that the focus is on those who want to lead lead God's flock astray or who don't have the best interest of the flock at heart. We see that in verse 12. Jesus says, He who is a hired hand and not a shepherd who does not own the sheep, sees the wolf coming and leaves the sheep and flees, and the wolf snatches them and scatters them. But Jesus is the good shepherd. And for our spiritual health and safety, we need to live following the good shepherd as closely as we can. Shepherds lead sheep to food and water. Sheep are not known for being the most resourceful, of animals. Really they're not really they're not known for being particularly smart. Sheep aren't going to hunt down food. They graze. It's the shepherd who must lead the sheep to pastures where they can eat and drink. To make sure that the water is clean for the sheep, to make sure that they're not being exposed to poisonous plants. It's a big job to be a shepherd. They also have to look out for the health of the sheep. For instance, if a sheep gets on its back, it's basically like a turtle being on its back. It's hard, if not impossible, for the sheep to get itself righted again. The shepherd has to flip it back up. I think it's important for us in the Christian life to recognize our total dependence on Jesus. Jesus. He is the shepherd who leads, guards, protects, and sustains us. And it's a challenge. Because that's not our natural mode. Because we're sinful. We don't want to be sheep led by a shepherd. We want to be mustangs, wild and free and kicking. We want to do things our own way. But to get out of the pasture that dooms us to the predators. We need to trust Jesus as the good shepherd who is protecting us. It is only the good shepherd who is totally keeping our best interest in mind. The shepherd and sheep metaphor is meant to show us that being a follower of Jesus is not something that we do in some areas of life. In part of our lives, our relationship to Christ is meant to be the focus of every aspect of our lives. It is to our spiritual downfall, if we have certain areas where we're sheep, but have other areas where we're mustangs or wolves, We aren't called to be under the protection of the shepherd in some situations and not in others. We are called to be under the care of the good shepherd always. Sheep are always sheep. Sheep do what sheep do. We need the shepherd, but we also need the rest of the flock. It's the shepherd's flock who follow the good shepherd. We need the Lord's church. Half-hearted commitment is an epidemic in American Christianity. We are to be part of the good shepherd's flock, not just for our own well-being and protection, but also for the good of the rest of the sheep. We aren't in the flock just for ourselves, just like we don't go to church, or are not supposed to go to church, just for us for what it does for us, for how the sermon blesses us, for how the music makes us feel. But the church is for the people of God serving together in the purposes of God. The second point, Jesus is is the shepherd who saves us. In verse six, John tells us that the people don't quite understand what Jesus is saying. And so Jesus elaborates and explains it further. He says with the sheep metaphor, but here Jesus compares himself to the the door of the sheep pen beginning in verse 7. So Jesus again said to them, truly, truly, I say to you, I am the door of the sheep. All who come before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep did not listen to them. I am the door. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved and will go in and out and find pasture. ESV uses the word door. A lot of translations might use the word gate. I actually think gate is probably a better word for the sheepfold metaphor. But uh, either way, Jesus is the door or gate through which we get to God. He's the only gate that brings us to God. It's not like that there are a bunch of gates and some are are good gates and others. No, Jesus is the gate. He's not a gate. He is the gate. He is the way to God. He says, if anyone enters by me he will be saved and will go in and out and find pasture. In verse 8 all who came before me are thieves and robbers but the sheep did not listen to them. So he's referring to Basically, false prophets who, who preceded Christ, and for those who were not true to the message of the Lord. Verse 10 The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. Again, the passage we looked at from Ezekiel talked about how the shepherds, the leaders of Israel, were abusing their flock. They were looking out for themselves, not for the sheep. Jesus is contrasting himself between those who fleece the sheep and telling us he's the good shepherd. Jesus doesn't come to plunder. He comes to give abundant life. He doesn't come to take from us. He doesn't come to harm us. The idea of the abundant life That is a popular idea in the movement known as the prosperity gospel. There certainly can be material blessings that the Lord gives. I think that's how some people read this verse. God wants to give you stuff. And again, God is a God who blesses. But really, the heart of what this is saying is spiritual blessing. The abundant life that comes, Jesus gives us, is so much bigger than the stuff that we have or the accomplishments that we achieve. He came to give the abundant life of knowing the Lord and having a relationship with God. He came to give the abundant life of living in the purpose of Of pursuing God, to have a life of contentment and joy and harmony. Are you living the abundant life? See, sin keeps us from living abundantly. A heart that doesn't find joy in God and in His goodness and blessing keeps us from living abundantly. Follow the shepherd. Let him lead you to abundance, to purpose and joy and fulfillment. Follow the shepherd as closely as you can. We come to verse 11. Jesus says, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. I've talked about this already, but in the ancient world, just as today, shepherds protect the sheep. But shepherds don't lay down their lives for the sheep. It's not because shepherds a secret service agent. He's just going to dive in front of the sheep. But Jesus does. He dies for his sheep. Verse 12. He who is a hired hand and not a shepherd, who does not own the sheep, sees the wolf coming and leaves the sheep and flees. The wolf snatches them and scatters them. He flees because he has a hired hand and cares nothing for the sheep. So Jesus is talking about how somebody who's not the true good shepherd, is just somebody who's just hired to watch the sheep, that's it's their job, they're not going to have the same commitment to the sheep. Verse 14, I am the good shepherd. I know my own and my own know me, just as the Father knows me and I know the Father. And I lay down my life for the sheep. Again, he lays down his life for his sheep. It's clearly a picture of the gospel. The good shepherd dies for the sheep. Jesus gives his life for all who believe and trust in him. God became a man so that man could be with God. And there was no other way. He's the gate. The shepherd became a sheep so that we could be with him also. In the Old Testament, there's a complicated sacrificial system where animals are sacrificed for various sins. But it couldn't just be any old animal. It had to be one that was perfect and spotless. Writing about this in connection to Christ, the Apostle Peter says, "'You were ransomed from the futile ways "'inherited from your forefathers, "'not with perishable things such as gold or silver, "'but with the precious blood of Christ, "'like that of a lamb.'" without blemish or spot. God became a man. The shepherd became a sheep. In the Old Testament, the prophet Isaiah looked forward to Jesus as the perfect and spotless lamb. Isaiah 53. All we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned every one to his own way. And the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. So the Lord has laid upon this sheep the sin of all of us. Verse 7. He was oppressed and was afflicted, and he opened not his mouth. That's why in the Gospels, when Jesus is being interrogated by the ruling authorities, Jesus doesn't say anything It's an allusion to this. Like a lamb that is led to the slaughter, and like a sheep that before its shearer is silent, so he opened not his mouth. Jesus is the sheep who was led to slaughter. In our passage in verse 17, Jesus speaks of his death and resurrection. For this reason the Father loves me, because I lay down my life, that I may take it up again. Jesus dies for sin. And he is raised to life so that we can have life with him. Verse 18, no one takes it from me, but I lay it down of my own accord. I have authority to lay it down and have authority to take it up again. This charge I have received from my father. Jesus died and rose again. Again, that is the hope that we have of the gospel. Is he truly your shepherd who is leading your life? If he's not, he's got room in this flock for you to join, to believe in him, to trust in him, to follow him. Thinking about this passage is interesting because it actually has several theological themes to it. Being a follower of Christ, the leadership of Christ, the exclusivity of Christ, where he calls himself the gate, the sacrificial death of Christ, his resurrection, all of those present in this passage. But it also uses imagery that's easy to grasp and understand. It's a quaint and familiar passage. And for today, I think it's important to focus really on the simplicity of this passage. It's a thought that I've had more and more over the last few weeks, but for some of us, not all of us, but for some of us, I think sometimes knowing the answer, knowing the the correct theology, is way easier than actually living that out. We might have varying reactions We might have varying reactions to the idea of Jesus as the good shepherd. But he is the shepherd who always leads us to greener pastures. Let him lead. But it's easier said than done. Meanwhile, we might want to pursue other sources of joy. But Jesus is the good shepherd who leads us to the abundant life. Follow him to life. We might think that we're strong enough on our own to withstand the various attacks and predators that sheep face. But we're not. And we don't need to be. Instead, let us live lives following the good shepherd as closely as we can. Being as near to Christ as we can, and our thoughts and our hearts and our affections and our actions and our attitudes, living lives as sheep of the Good Shepherd. Would you pray with me? Our Heavenly Father, we praise you, that you are the Good Shepherd. Lord, we thank you for your son, who came into the world and laid down his life and was raised again. Lord, we thank you and praise you for the abundant life that Jesus offers. And may we walk in that life and live that life. In Jesus' name, amen.